Last week we began this series, and the series began with a different title than it's going to run with. It began with the title, Finding the Will of God. But as we thought about that together last week, we wondered if that was really a good way to, to think about things. So our, our series for the next weeks until it finishes will go under the title, Experiencing God's Guidance. God loves to guide his people to do his will. And it's vital that we understand that. Rather than hiding his will from us, God guides us. He doesn't sit back and play games with his children, holding his cards close to his chest. Instead, he offers us clear guidance for living lives that please him. As I've said already, last week we we realized that we maybe need to get rid of the notion of finding the will of God. And we need to replace it with the biblical concept of experiencing God's guidance. Over the next five Sunday evenings, we're going to think of six particular ways in which God guides his people. And the order of those is important. So when I start this evening, I'm starting in in what is the, the right place to start. You can't start in the middle or skip to the end. Tonight, as we start with the first step, we say that all God's guiding in our lives is based on his word as he's given it to us in Holy Scripture. The first step to be being guided by God is to read your Bible. As simple as that. Think of the words that we've just read together from Paul's second letter to Timothy, the words Dan read for us. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And then these famous verses. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In verse 16, Paul points out four ways in which God, four ways which God uses his word to guide his children. The first, the Bible is given to teach. It really is as, as straightforward as that. The Bible is to teach us how to live. As we read the Bible, we should be learning how to do things, how to say things, how to live. The Bible offers God's children lessons in how to live for Him. It helps us develop skills and learn insight. So God teaches us through His Word. The Bible is also given to rebuke us, and in a sense that's maybe a negative side of its teaching aspect. The word rebuke actually means something very literal. It means to force back. And literally it means, if I am heading in the wrong direction, God's word will rebuke me. It'll stop me and it will force me back to go back in the right paths. If we're worshiping false gods and we read God's word, we can expect it to stop us, to to point out that that's wrong and to put us back on the right track. If we think it's okay to harbor anger in our lives, God's Word will rebuke us. It'll force us back. It'll remind us that it's not okay to harbor anger. 
Thirdly, the Bible is given to correct us. I'm not a primary school teacher, but I, I can tell the difference between a, a good marker and a bad one. A good, a, a bad marker, sorry, in school, and, and I think I would have had some of these growing up, they're the ones who just put X's all over the page and don't really even tell you where you've gone wrong. They just let you know that you've gone wrong. A good teacher will still need to put the X's on the page, but as well as showing you where you've gone wrong, they'll correct. They'll show you where you could go right, either there and then on the page, or else they'll invite you to come and speak to them to sort it out. Well, God's Word does that for us too. It not only tells us where we've gone wrong, but it shows us how we can go right once more. And finally, of these four things that Paul mentions, the Bible is given to us for training us in righteousness. If we read the Bible regularly, we will learn God's will and God's ways. Eventually, God's will and God's ways will become our will and our ways. We'll be trained in righteousness. We'll be trained to live the life God calls us to. I just wanted to very quickly go through those and and certainly not to major on any of them. What I'm going to say now is so blindingly obvious that it almost goes without saying, almost but not quite. These benefits that Paul's drawn to our attention here uh, of, of reading God's Word and all the other benefits that he doesn't mention here are only available to people who actually read the Bible. As I said, that's blindingly obvious. It almost goes without saying, but I'm not sure that it goes entirely without saying. Everything that Paul says here and other things that that he doesn't say, all those blessings and benefits of God's Word will only come to us if we read God's Word. If you don't read it, you can't expect any of this help. Sometimes people ask the question, and that's, that's the question we're trying to tackle in this whole series, what is God's will for my life? And I can say to them, and I can say to myself, if you read the Bible, you'll find out. For example, when we studied Colossians together recently, We learned there from God's Word what God's will for our life is. Now, Colossians never tells us whether we should become an architect or an accountant or a patrolman. It doesn't tell us whom we should marry, but it does tell us what God's will for our lives is. Listen to these, again, these key verses from the whole letter. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Now, you might not have thought of those in terms of God's will for your life, but that's a a very, very clear statement of what God's will for each one of our lives is, that we receive Christ, that we're rooted in Him, that we're built up in Him. Now, Now, maybe you find that frustrating, It's tempting to pass it off. Well, that's a little bit too simple, too simplistic, or it's not relevant to my life. Friends, these are God's words. This is God's will for my life and yours. God wants you to 
God wants to draw you closer to Him, and God wants to change your life to make you more like Him. That is God's will for our lives. I need to come back very quickly to something that we said last week that's very vital for us to understand. Christians don't seek the will of God in the same way that, do you remember we talked about this last week, pagans seek the will of God. They use all sorts of tricks, horoscopes and reading tea leaves and, and whatever else they want to do because they believe that God's will is a mystery that's hidden from them. Well, Christians don't do that. Do you remember we talked about why that's an inappropriate way for Christians to seek God's will? We said that God doesn't show us His will and His ways without changing us to be like Himself. The way in which God guides us in our lives and and helps us to make the decisions that He would make is to draw us so close to Him, to give us the mind of Christ, that we start to make the decisions the very decisions that Christ would make if He lived our lives. Friends, God wouldn't allow that kind of a shortcut. That shortcut where we can magically somehow get His will for our lives, all the while not not wanting to come close to Him and not wanting to be changed by Him. If you want God's will for your life, read God's Word. Begin to know God better and better and better through His Word and your life will begin very, to become very close and to, to go very much in the same direction as God's will for you. I want to spend the last few minutes this evening giving some pointers on how we can read the Bible for all it's worth. The first thing we need to do is learn to interpret the Bible. Every growing Christian needs to learn to handle the Bible in a credible way. I think this is really important in our day. And I want to say something, I hope you'll forgive me. I think Ulster Christianity is massively anti-intellectual. We have people sitting in our churches who in their professions and in their careers and in other walks of life are willing to use their brains and use them in, in very incredible ways. And what happens when we come to church? We just don't expect to think as soon as we come through that vestibule. We, we hit a switch somewhere in the back of our head and switch off our brain. Now, I think, I, I'm not, I, I don't want to lay the blame anywhere, probably other than that the church and its own leadership. Church should never have been a place where people weren't encouraged to think. I hope that Kirkpatrick Memorial will become a place where we all think, and we think hard, and particularly in relation to God's Word. Friends, I'd encourage you to give your best thinking to God's Word. Work hard at this, and when you do, God will bless that effort and will speak to you through His Word. That's certainly my aim when I preach here at Kirkpatrick Memorial, not to throw out simple platitudes, but over time to help you understand difficult passages of Scripture, but even more important, to help you learn to interpret the Bible for yourself. I want to, in my preaching, show you ways of understanding the Bible. I want to keep learning 
from now till I retire and way beyond it, more of God's Word. I don't want to be stuck with, with whatever I happen to know just now. I want to be a learner. I want to learn to handle God's Word skillfully, as Paul told Timothy. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who doesn't need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the Word of truth. So that's the first thing. And I really want to encourage you in that. Learn to interpret the Bible. As well as learning to interpret the Bible, we need to learn to pray as we read the Bible. If you really want to know God's Word, pray as you read it. Pray that God will help you understand it. Pray that He will move you as you read it. And pray that He will help you to obey it as he makes it clear to you. That, by the way, is what we do every Sunday here at Kirkpatrick before we come to our sermon. We pray that God would come and would speak to us through his word. Bruce Walkey was an Old Testament professor of mine at Regent College, and he tells a story of preparing for a class that he was going to deliver at college on interpreting the Bible. He talks about how he went to the library I always find these guys a bit intimidating because he went to the library to do a bit of research. He brought out 80 or 90 books that he wanted to have a bit of a flick through. He said he looked through them all and they all said the same thing. They said, read the Bible as though it was any other book. Just read it and apply your mind and understand it. Wolke says, I was astounded. No one mentioned the importance of praying through Scripture the role of the Holy Spirit seemed to be driven out by academic scholarship. <clears throat> Friends, God's Word is unique. I don't care if you have an IQ of, I've just realized, I don't know what a high IQ is. Is it like 160? Is that high? No? Too high? Um, okay, that's a, a real genius. I don't care if you have an IQ of 140. I, honestly, and I don't care if you've done three theology degrees back to back. Don't expect God to speak His living Word to you unless you go to it with an attitude of humble prayer. I hope what I've just said with my opening point doesn't, doesn't contradict what I'm saying now. We do need to work hard at interpreting it. We do need to use our minds, but we also need to come humble and prayerful. Always, as we come to God's Word, we pray that God would speak to us. Bruce Walkie goes on and tells of his own personal experience of praying as he read the Bible. He said, I used to read the Bible for its academic merit, and I'll confess I got nothing out of it. God didn't speak to me. It didn't change my heart. Then I began to pray, Lord, speak to me through your word. I didn't want to simply read the stories. I wanted to know God's heart. At first, I noticed very little difference in my reading. But soon, within three weeks of praying that prayer, my heart began to burn within me. I started to see new things in Scripture. God began revealing to me how his word should change my life. I developed a love for his teaching. God heard my prayer and began to speak to me through his word. 
Friends, if you've never had that experience yet of lifting God's Word, of reading it, and God just, just speaking as though He were sitting in the room with you, I'd ask you to begin to pray. Pray that God would speak to you through His Word. Keep your prayer as simple as that, because I think it's a, it's a simple prayer that God is only too pleased to answer. We need to learn to interpret God's Word, to pray God's Word, and thirdly, we need to learn to memorize and meditate on God's Word. That's when the Word of God can really begin to counsel us and to guide us. It's possible to create a reservoir of wisdom, of God-given wisdom that you carry here and here doesn't need a palm pilot, doesn't need a laptop. It's much better here and here. Friends, I think this is key. It's, it's probably a very old-fashioned idea, but I think it's key in the world in which we live. We live in a world where we're bombarded all the time with information. Information overload is our problem today and will be into the future. We need to place the deep things and the true things and the real things of God in our minds and in our hearts. Memory verses aren't just for children. I can think of times in my own life when God has used verses that I've memorized to, to really guide me, to prevent me from doing the wrong, to encourage me when I felt very deflated. Listen to these words from Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. On his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Who's that? It's the person who meditates on the law of God who who has God's Word in their mind and in their heart. King Solomon, the Bible tells us, is the wisest man who ever lived, apart from Jesus, of course. And he tells us just the same. Talking about God's commands, he says, bind them upon your heart forever. Fasten them around your neck. Listen to this. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they'll watch over you. And when you wake, they'll speak to you. Absolutely every part of your life can be blessed and shaped by the Word of God. Friends, I think that's a, a lovely challenge. Certainly for me, in recent times, I haven't been learning much Scripture, and I have done in the past, and I've been blessed by that. I've been encouraged to rethink that. And maybe collectively, we could find ways of encouraging each other to learn some Scripture. I said that we need to be in memorization, but also meditation. Meditation used to be a word that would frighten the life out of certainly Presbyterians, Protestants generally, but Presbyterians would be terrified. But in recent times, thankfully, that's changed. I've seen a, a new appreciation for meditation in the Christian community. When I was growing up, it was a bit of a bad word. It was something that Far Eastern mystics 
would do while they were while they had incense burning and were wearing their sarongs, the kind of things the Beatles got into when they stopped making good music. Meditation just wasn't something for for good Ulster Protestants to be involved in. Funny that, because the Bible is brimming with invitations to meditate on God's Word. We've already noticed that in Psalm 1. In Joshua chapter 1, God speaks to the newly appointed leader of Israel, and he urges him, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you'll be careful to do everything that is written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Friends, meditation goes hand in hand with memorizing God's Word. That's why we memorize it. Actually, I think that's probably one of the reasons why memorization isn't very popular. I grew up in in Sunday school memorizing it without realizing that I was supposed to to dwell on it and, and I thought I was just memorizing it to get information into my head. Don't think of it that way. Memorize God's Word so that you can carry it with you, so that you can mull it over when you're in the queue at Tesco's, when you're waiting for the bus, when you're you're on, what is it you call it, when you're waiting for a phone call to connect. Meditate on God's Word. God will use that and will speak powerfully to you. Finally, this evening of these four guidelines I want to give you. If we really expect God to speak to us through his word, and this one's again almost so obvious it goes without saying, but we need to say it. If we expect God to speak to us through his word, we must obey God's word. Once we know what God's saying to us through his word, it'd be foolish not to obey In his short letter, James gives some lovely images, and he gives a lovely image of a person who hears God's word but doesn't obey. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who doesn't listen to the anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like a man or a woman who looks at their face in the mirror and after looking at themselves go away and immediately forget what they looked like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, he'll be blessed in what he does. I don't think I ever heard this preached in any sermon I heard about guidance but I've come to the conclusion that it's probably at the very heart of this. If you want God to guide you, and if you want God to speak to you through his word, you must obey what you already know of God's word. Those of us who long to see God guiding us, we need to put into practice that which we've already learned from God's word. Oswald Chambers puts it like this. God will never reveal more truth about himself until you've obeyed what you already know. It's not study that does it, but obedience. The tiniest fragment of obedience, and heaven opens, and the profoundest truths of God are your straight away. Obey God in the things he shows you. 
Friends, tonight, and I'm finishing here just now, tonight we have thought about the first way in which God guides his children, and we've said that the starting point in God's guidance is through his word. Any wise person who wants to know God's will for their lives, they will read the Bible, they'll pray as they do so, they'll memorize it and meditate on it, and they'll put it into practice. Do you want to know God's will for your life? God's will for my life? It's that we read his word because he's already spoken to us there. He's told us all that we need to know. If we want to know God's will and God's ways, we must become people of the word. Friends, that is God's will for your life and for mine. Blessed is the man or the woman whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. Let us pray. Father God, as we begin to think about what your word teaches, and particularly in this area of guidance, Lord, we're unsettled. In a way, it suits us to think of seeking your will, to act as though life is an entire mystery and you haven't spoken to us. But Lord, that's not the case, and we're learning that. We know that you have spoken to us all that we need to know for living faithful lives before you. You've given us all this in your word. Would you help us now to be people who read your word, who give the best of our intellect to understanding it, who pray as we do so, who, Lord, who, who meditate on your word and, and keep it in our hearts, and, Lord, finally, people who, who do what you show us. Lord, help us never to use mystery or confusion as an excuse. Help us to obey all that you've made clear to us. And, Lord, we will trust you that you will guide our steps in the way we should go. Lord, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would make it dear to us individually and as a community of your people here. We pray all this in Jesus' name, in the name of the living word. Amen.